The Creative Trust is a limited podcast series to celebrate 20 years of Gloss Creative. Together with our stellar alumni, we'll share everything we know to be true about the creative process and the business reality of running a small but powerful design platform. Two decades ago, I started Gloss Creative as my creative platform for experimentation and exploration. What has ensued has been an endlessly rewarding creation of ephemeral installations, each one put up, pulled down, each one leaving an enduring mark on its audience. I learned early on that I could make audiences fall in love with environments simply by making them feel and experience something. Memories that lasted long after the physical immersion had gone. It crystallised my long-held belief that your business plan is to harness your unbridled creative force and that creative renewal is your most powerful weapon over time. Welcome to the Creative Trust. We are bringing some big energy today. I am sitting here with some amazing women. I'm sitting with Sarah Gonsalves and Beck Gramont from The Style Co. And it's a very happy day. We've already downed the first of our bread cup cookies. So we are on some sugar rush. So it's going to be fantastic. Thanks for coming today. Oh, thanks so much for having us. us. We're very excited to be here. It's pretty good. And I have to also, we've had a, had a last minute uh, venue change. So we also want to shout out to the Design Institute of Australia for having us here today, which is yeah. pretty nice. Thanks, Bernie and Joe and the team. It's been really good. So the Style Co., I need to hear everything about it. I loved the bios that were sent through, but as everyone knows, I like to do <laughs> what I want with them. What I loved about um, some of the notes here are about the bigness of everything you do, you know, making big ideas into big reality. But also, uh, Sarah, it says here you're kinder than necessary. And <laughs> I kind of love that so much. And that, you know, one of the things about you is that you're always trying to up the happiness level of wherever you are. So I'm, I, you can feel that, oh, you know. You. Um, yeah, you can feel that in everything that you do. Um, so I'm pretty excited to have you here with us today and obviously with Beck. Very excited to have a fellow VMer here, yes. a visual merchandiser. Perfect. We do share a kind of a a bit of an interesting history. You've had uh, some time with Sports Girl. Yeah. Absolutely. Ah. Alumni we are. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I feel and like um, we have a connection, sports girl do. connection. It is. And, you know, the connection really is that Lucienne used to work with Marie and yourself, mm -hmm. Sarah. Mm -hmm. And I know met Dan Castano yes. through my work, you know, with uh, fashion and that. And she's like, do you know my best friend, Jack Cremont? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah, I do. And obviously we know Roie Kelly who headed up Sports Girl for a very long so time So many connections. Well. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's full circle now. You've come I back. Know. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? yeah. I, know. I know. Obviously you're the director mm -hmm. of the company and Beck, you're the creative director. Yes. So very interested to start our discussion uh, with that today. So as you know, I want to know everything about your creative core how you got creative, particularly I'm always interested as it relates to you as a child mm. and how you grew up and the influences that did or didn't make you creative. So Sarah, I'm interested to hear from you. I was really into books when I was younger. Reading was a really, really big part of my childhood. Um, my mum and dad worked quite a 
bit. Um, they were migrants and we had no family here. So they did a lot of shift work. So my sister and I were quite often left at home sometimes by ourselves. We had really strict rules about how much TV we could watch. So I would get lost in books quite a bit. So I think my creativity sort of stems from that. I was never artistic in the sense of being able to draw or paint or sketch or anything like that. So for me, I think creativity really stemmed from my love of words. And then funnily enough, I then went on to study professional writing and it's all, yeah, kind of crazy how I've ended up in the design world. Well, we often talk about words as part of the creative process, which we'll get onto, but it's interesting that you said that writing was your thing because often we design by using words and often describing a situation or describing a story, I feel like is designing. Absolutely. So it's interesting that writing was there for you. And did, were your parents into writing or was that just a... Not at all. Wow. Yeah. And what other things did you do like while you are at school? Was there anything that was perceived as artistic or not? No. No, great. So <laughs> I what, always what, said did my you, team, what did you hang out doing? Well, I, I always said to my team, I'm the I'm the, the least creative and the most um, unexperienced of everyone that's there, but funnily mm, enough. Big to differ. <laughs> I know, right? She says this and we're just like, no, yeah. that is you know, not The girls all have sure. amazing backgrounds and, you know, careers well before they came to the Style Co. But, no, I, I feel that I ended up where I needed to be. But for me, it's all sort of harnessed in emotion and people and connection and that that's actually what really sort of tied everything together and all the jobs I've had in my life like I um, studied professional writing I didn't actually end up finishing that degree because we were chatting briefly before I had to do an internship couldn't find a place girlfriend recommended a friend who owned a creative agency and that's when I was exposed to events and I never went back to finish my degree once I got a taste of that Everything. I was hooked and it all made sense. And then from there I went on to become the in-house event stylist. Um, but I just couldn't see myself doing anything other than events. It was it was epic because I'd been studying for so long and I'd done a few other things. I'd done a bit of linguistics and a bit of literature. But when I delved into the world of events, I had finally realized, oh, okay, right. Now this is where my passion is. This is what really gets me excited. Because my career counsellor kept saying to me, when are you going to finish your degree? You've been studying for 10 years now. So what was the degree you were studying? I was studying professional writing and then I didn't love that and then shifted into linguistics and literature. Um, Again, didn't finish that because something was just keeping me back. Something wasn't, the passion just wasn't there. It really just felt like every year, every exam, every test, everything was just like, I like it, I don't love it. But when I got into events, I, I lived and breathed it and I couldn't switch off. Like it was, it was something that I was so excited about and the energy and my, my start in events was about the styling. It was about spaces and what they looked like. And we did a lot of corporate events for the agency that I worked at and it was about taking a brand and taking their values and what they stand for and making people feel connected to that. Mm, I love that. The One thing I'm getting from you is this feeling of mood and, you know, you're saying emotion, Mm -hmm. Um, the happiness and your upbeat kind of personality. Is that something that was um, in your family or your friends or was that that just you? It was just me. Um, 
And it's funny, I always think of myself as the black sheep of my family because my family, you know, they're not creative. They're not overly bubbly. Like even my friends, when they meet their family, like, well, how did you turn out the way that you turned <laughs> how out? How is this so? I just feel that in a previous life, I was just, I feel that, yes, I was a leader, but I feel that I was there to lift people. I was there to amplify things that were inside of them that perhaps they didn't know they knew about themselves. Um, and yeah, I, everything I do is, it's always about how people are made to feel and adding to the love in the world. Like there's so much shit that we have to navigate. I mean, if COVID's taught us anything, it's, ta- it's taught us that human connection is at the core of everything. And I, and, I, and I love that. And I love leaving people in a better condition than what I found them. And I think that kindness is free and sprinkle that shit everywhere. So we've got a tea towel saying that. Lost tea towel. I have to get you one. Yes, please. That's great. Thank you. Beck, tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What did you do? Um, So I grew up in Echuca, so country town, right on the Murray, which I think, yeah, thinking back to that, I think there's something about a country town, growing up in a country town and creativity. I think there's something there. You know, know, when I think of loose, Ingrid Rule, yeah, yeah, I think there's that's definitely that that freedom. Yeah, that freedom and that constant outdoor nature and, uh, you know, playing and making up games and things like that. I think that's really... That's really where it started, I think. And we um, we owned a motel in Echuca. So mum and dad ran the motel. So they were working full-time at the motel, which was great because it was like we had parents who were working full-time, but they were still there and they were still always around, which I think also as children makes you grow up in a very safe environment. Your parents are always there. They're always around if you need them, but they're always working as well. So my sister and I were just sort of like you know, thrown outside, go play, go make up a game. And if you can imagine growing up in a motel when you're a kid, it's like a playground, you know, to dream. You've got like 50 (laughs) different rooms you can go play in. You've got stairs, you've got different levels, you've got a pool. You've you've got got the tray you can put the toast in the bag. You've got the toast, you've got the mini um, (laughs) cereal boxes you can play shops in. Like, yeah, like the hotel was like a little it was a playground. It's kind so, of a whole lot of interiors. Yeah. Go like, you. so super 80s and I love going and driving past it now. I wish I could go inside. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – my mind always goes back to the motel and all the silly little fun kid games we used to to play and, and one thing comes to mind, I – I remember I just love to make things like I love to just make things from nature as well. Like we had a big driveway filled with pebbles and we used to draw on the pebbles and make faces and play games. And then I remember picking um, gum leaves from a tree once and getting out my glitter glue pens and writing a chuka or paddle steamer or something on these gum leaves and contacting them and then going around to each of the rooms and trying to sell them for 20 cents. (laughs) Um, Like such a little hustler and I'm sure mum and dad wouldn't have loved that. But just, you know, that like those little things and we just used to constantly play games. So I think, yeah, growing up in a country town really, yeah, I guess like sparked that, that creativity, you know, and having, yeah, sisters to sort of like have that person to play with and and create bounce. these games and bounce yeah. ideas off and yeah. let's let's play that game with the sheets where we hide in the sheets and scare everyone and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff so it's yeah. so that yeah. is so I think it's the beginning of imagination yeah definitely I mean, which is incredible so yeah. how did that creativity express itself at school did it yeah. express at school it, it really when I think I went when I started high school and made my way through high school and, you know, year 11 and year 12, I think my creativity was a little bit 
stifled. I don't think, you know, then it was really encouraged and supported um, to do all the creative art subjects. I think, I think I was, you know, sort of told by the careers people that these are the subjects that gets marked down and these are the subjects that gets marked up. And I was Mm. like, oh, okay, well, I really want to do well. So probably doing those creative subjects, maybe that's not going to, you know, enable me to get a great better marks. score and things mm. like that, which is just so, I just look That's back and I just. That's a tale for so many. Isn't it? Isn't it? And I look back and I'm just like, oh gosh, I wish that, you know, I had more information at my fingertips then. So, you know, I did do biology, psychology, maths, all the, you know, left brain kind of subjects. And, but I do always remember always trying to make those subjects creative for me, you know, like I'd have my 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 piece of paper out and we would be you know studying maybe osmosis or something in biology and I'd get the pens out and I'd be like okay cool what's the color palette for this page you know like I think I'm gonna do maybe like a blue kind of like aquamarine kind of vibe and you know I start doing my heading and you know we'd be 45 minutes into the class and I'd still be on my heading and people would be like so hey you. you need to start and I'd be like whoa I need to get the vision right first before I of start now. Do. So I can I can always re- yeah remember seeing little um, ways I would try and yeah bring my creativity through those subjects. But I do feel yeah high school I I kind of look back and go oh I wonder if I did do studio arts or those kind of subjects where where I'd be. But you know your path is your path and I you know I don't wish it was any other way because then it enabled me to you know go into the next chapter um, of my life. And I have observed that people who do maths Mm. are often very creative anyway. Mm. So I think the students who end up doing maths in the end, Mm. you look back and you say, oh, I wish I'd done creative stuff. But often the maths is so helpful for that type of brain use. And later on the creative cuts in over the top. So you get something over time that is so Super brainy. Yeah, absolutely. Super powerful. And I feel like yeah. that's that's a pretty great thing. Yeah. And tell me, like, obviously you came down to Melbourne. Yes, um, yes. So talk to me about uh, the sports girl moment. Mm. How did that happen? Sports girl started, well, I guess, yeah, I finished high school and I went to go to study um, nutrition and dietetics. I thought I was going to be a dietitian at the time. It sounded you know, like a good job to have. Um, And then I just remember sitting, I was only there for I think a year and a half and I was just sitting in this uni lecture and I just had that gut feeling, that intuition. It was the first real memory that I have of that intuition saying, this just isn't your place right now. Like it's time to move on. This is just like you need to get up and go. And I just got up out of the lecture and I walked out And I left uni without even talking to my mum and dad about it or any of my friends. I just had this feeling in me and I always trust that now. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I left. I went and spent six months travelling with my girlfriends and then I came back and I saw that Sports Girl were opening their new flagship store uh, at Chadston. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I love Sports Girl. Like, yep, and I need a job. So I am going to tick, tick, tick. Um, (laughs) I'm going to apply for that. And yeah, I started at Sports Girl just, you know, on the floor as a sales sales girl. The second that I walked in those doors, I was like, cool, this is it. This, I just knew it. I knew that this was the start of something amazing. Like Sports Girl was just, it was a beacon of fashion and fun and women and 
talent and everyone there, I think they were there for, you know, a higher purpose. They, they wanted to move through the company or they wanted to, it was a building ground for everyone. So I feel like there was so much passion, um, at sports girl, which I just, yeah, I just love that I was there and I thank my lucky stars. I, I got that job. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just started on the floor and I kept seeing the VM team come in every week and they just would, you know, come in this tight knit team and start, you know, pulling all these clothes together and styling walls and styling mannequins and making the most amazing layered outfits and layering jackets and necklaces. And I'm like, oh my God, that looks like so much fun. Um, and just, you know, doing the the windows and things like that. And I just said to my boss at the time, I said, I think, I think I want to get into VM. And, you know, just like that, the next week I was a day a week with the VM team and then I moved on to the team eventually and we travelled, yeah, all around Victoria doing all the stores and it was just, it was such an amazing time for me and I'm, I'm, I've got a group of friends that are all still my best friends from Sports Girl so I just think it was, yeah, an absolute springboard into that creativity again and I was like flourishing. But I also, I agree with that you know, having studied, you know, the more the maths and the psychology and the biology, having that more sort of, you know, balance between creativity and, and logic, I guess, really helped me when you're working with a brand and there's budgets and there's sales to be made. You can't just be there to make things look beautiful, you know. So I think having that 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 balance um, is really important and it's kind of gotten me to where I am today um, to be able to you know, work with a budget or work with a brief whilst creating something beautiful for a, for a great end result. So and I that's, that's the trick really, really isn't it, to what we all do. Yeah. If you can balance the dream mm. and the reality, um, you know, if it can still, the end result, still hold the emotion, mm. get the budget right mm -hmm. and make it work on time, Yeah, mm. you've Doing pretty well. Yeah. I feel like. And we worked hard to finesse that. Yeah. 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 Sure Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when did you think and how did you arrive, Sarah, at the Style Co? When did you think that that might be something you'd like to do? So I'd been doing event styling in the corporate space for, I think, three, four years and loved what I was doing and it was really cool activations. Like we had brands where we couldn't directly market um, and so we had to have underground parties where guests would be texted the address, you know, three, four hours before and they'd arrive down an alley and say the secret code word and be let in. And one of the brands we were working for, it was all about New York and it was all about taking and transporting people into a space that looked and felt and smelt. So it was everything from the food to the beatboxing to the street drummer to we, we built a subway, like that's how cool sort of stuff we were doing. And so I love that. But I also got to a point where I was like, mm, this isn't enough. There's something here. There's something more that I could be doing that's taking these experiences and really leaving an impression on people that really sort of shapes them. And I thought, you know what? It's weddings. I want to do this. And I want to take this process and this emphasis on the space and what people see and do something that is really important. And for me, it was being a part of the most important day of someone's of life. Someone's life. Um, and so I'd made that decision. I was like, yep, yeah, great. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to get into event, event, uh, events and particularly weddings. And back then, wedding styling, non-existent. Like it was huge in America. Um, you know, Pinterest weddings were like booming. Everyone is starting to, you know, really put a lot of effort into what 
your wedding would look like, but I'd come across a company called The Style Coat and they had just done a big celebrity wedding. And I was like, oh, that's where I want to go. They're doing cool shit. I'm going to go there. So I worked on my folio because I didn't have what I thought was enough work to really sort of showcase the event styling side of things. And so I worked on the folio for a few months and then I sent my resume actually attached to a, a on a USB stick, I put my resume attached to an oversized balloon and had one of my mates deliver it to the style co and just let the balloon float Gloria. into the studio. <laughs> he was a very looking, uh, good, looking, good looking, handsome thing. Right. So I felt like that would get the attention of um, the 20 or 30 girls that I thought would be working there. Because in my mind, the style co yeah. was huge. It was this amazing, huge company. Um, and... <laughs> Never got a call back. And I was like, okay, I've already, you know, pictured what I'll be wearing to work on Monday. So we're going to need to get onto this. So I followed up and that's when I met Marie. So Marie Devera uh, started the Style Co. We connected. We had an amazing informal chit chat and I was like, great. So I want to take all this experience that I have and I want to, I want to pour it into weddings. So when can I start? And she was like, oh, no, sorry, I don't have a job for you. I just really loved our chat and, you know, talking to you and, oh, you're a hoot. But, yeah, I don't have a job for you. And I said, okay, I'll see you Monday and um, we'll work something out. I will work for free. We'll call it an internship until we can really sort of solidify where this is because weddings is where I'm at. I, I want to do this. I don't have experience in weddings, but I'll be there. And then I started and it was literally, the Stalco studio was tiny. It was like a shoebox, but it was amazing. And it was just where I wanted to be. And then, yeah, I was so, so fortunate to have an amazing relationship with Marie and all the suppliers that we, we uh, had sort of established relationships with over the years from the other agency that I was working at. And then we built that up. I became a partner uh, a couple of years after that and then sole owner in 2019. So, Incredible. yeah, it's a really journey from a balloon a, to a sole from owner. From a balloon to an internship to, <laughs> to owner. Um, so tell me, when did you start then? I Beck? then started, um, it was, I was, I just left Sports Girl. I think I got to a point at Sports Girl where I could have stayed for another 10 years. You know, it was just such a, yeah, it was such a family. But I got to a point where... I just felt like I was a little bit limited. You know, I was working with a brand and you can be creative, but you, you've got, you've got boundaries, you know, you can't, um, you can't do anything too outside of the, the walls there. So I got to a point where I was like, I really want to, you know, do something that I can push the boundaries more and be in a space where I'm creating new things all the time. Um, and I think I saw the same wedding that you're talking about in a magazine and I was just like, what? is this, this, this is amazing. Like I, I just wanted to get involved in events and I, and I saw it was the style co and I, the obsession began with the style co and, you know, I just was like. Did we have the same vision? Did you think it was like this big company yeah, with yeah. like t 20, 30 women walking around yeah, in houses? I was just like, this is it. This is where I'm going. Often big work <laughs> makes people it think does. it's a big yeah. company. I remember we 100%. had a, a, a mentor student come to us and she goes, I was sure there would be a room with a big bar and a big board table. And then I said, you know, they got to the studio and there was cake and the aga and they were like, oh, it's a bit different than I thought. Like, same thing. Yeah. If you do big work, people think you mm, have a lot of people to team, do it. Yeah. yeah. You've got um, a lot of people yeah. around you, you know, suppliers and um, industry people helping you. But, yeah, the team can be 
can be, be quite, quite small, small so, which yeah. is great. Yeah, so I, you know, I knew that's where I wanted to be in a similar, you know, style to says I, I created, you know, a resume and it was a fun, you know, it was a box and it opened and it fell apart and cards came out of it, flashcards. It was very cool at the time. It was so cool. cool. It was um, so cool. It was really cool. Um, but, you know, I came and I just delivered it to this door. I look back at that girl and I'm like, God, you had balls. Like, good on you. Yeah. Just going up knocking on this door. They were in a meeting, mind you, and I just like slid open the, the roller door. <laughs> I'm um, here. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. To start oh, Monday. You're in a meeting? Cool. <laughs> Can I have Sarah's desk? She's going to have to move. Yeah. And, you know, I and then I left and the same I was like oh my gosh I can't wait they're gonna call me they're gonna call me they never called me <laughs> we were really busy we were so impressed but so they busy because we it just exploded but yes yeah. I do remember that day. and then I called and I got you on the phone and I'm like oh Sarah it's Becca oh yeah I remember you the box the cards you know yeah. <laughs> I'll get back to you I was like yep great amazing da, da, da. she didn't get back to me I think I called you four times but yeah. it just shows like just you know keep going you don't know what's going on behind the doors and you know yeah. they're busy and eventually I got um, a gig as a crew member. I just started, like I was working full time and I started working with the style car on the side on weekends, just coming in. Design was already done. It was more just, you know, helping set up on the day and, you know, meeting the team and being a part of it all yeah. and getting calls at 11 o'clock at night being like, oh, are you free? Uh, can you come and help, you know, stuff these boxes for really stuff? We were really disorganised you know. then. We've <laughs> finessed that process, I can we've assure you. we a long way. So, yeah. you know, started as crew and then eventually a couple of years on, um, then I got a call for an event design role and and they wanted me to come in for an interview and I came in and the rest is history. So I think, yeah, 2013 started as crew and then 2015 started um, as an event designer. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And do you remember I said to you, You've got very big oh, shoes. She to scared back. me. She scared <laughs> me. I put on my serious start. And I was like, oh gosh, I've got to impress her. I've got to impress her. And now we're best friends. So I great. love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I I'm really interested to see, with the amount of energy that you guys have, I'm dying to hear about your creative processes from the beginning, Sarah, how you, you know, envisage stuff and the logistics as well. I've got mm. the vibe that you, your processes are pretty streamlined, mm. especially that you are working sometimes with clients who maybe don't uh, aren't in the creative areas or are not that knowledgeable about what they're about to go into mm -hmm. and what's about to happen mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm interested in your creative process as event designers, mm -hmm. um, the concepts and the way that you work, whether it's a wedding you're working on or a private party. I know that you see yourself as designers, so mm -hmm. I'm really interested to hear how you how you start. Yeah. yeah. I think it starts with qualifying the client. Mm -hmm. um, we're really lucky that we've built a brand that we have the ability, not necessarily to pick and choose, but to make sure that we're going to be the right fit for the client as much as they're going to be the right fit for us. Um, and so whether it's a wedding, a corporate or a private event, we start with a really healthy chat with me. So I speak to mm -hmm. everyone. Everyone gets to um, have a chat with me to, for me to kind of get an understanding of what they're trying to achieve what they're after and get a sense of whether we're going to be the right fit. Um, and then we get them in for an appointment, which is, you know, no obligation, no commitment. It's really just about an opportunity for me to get a good sense of what they're trying to do and for the client to understand our process and how we work and why we do what we do, because not everyone is the right fit for us. Um, and that's okay. Mm. We're mm. really lucky that we're in a position where we, you know, we can say no if we don't feel that 
we'll be able to take that vision that that client has and turn it into something better. Um, we have really good, healthy chats about budgets. And I think that's something that's really important because previously we hadn't. And so you'd get halfway through the process and the budget just was not aligned and it was just a schmozzle. And so for us now, we come in, we have a really good chat about the vision, what they're after, what they're trying to achieve, we chat about the budget. I'm not scared to talk about money. I think it's really important that people understand the investment from the get-go, especially if you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. If, you've, if you're a new brand or, you know, it's your first child and you're throwing a bar me or a bat me, or maybe it's your first wedding and you've never thrown a big event before and you want to have a marquee wedding. You know, marquee weddings are expensive. And I sit there and I'm really honest about why they're expensive, all the details that go into how you bring an event like that together. Mm. Transparency um, is very oh, freeing, so isn't important. it? It's so freeing. And I feel that then the journey and everything else that comes from that point isn't about money. And quite often people feel that money is this big, scary topic that you can't talk about. At the Style Co, we talk about it very openly from the get-go so that it's discussed we understand the range and we'll always have a range and we don't present beyond that range because for us as well, it's about respecting the client and their expectations and what investment they want to make. But It's also respecting ourselves and the time and the effort that goes into putting a design together. And so if we aren't aligned on the budget, then it's just going to turn into a really icky process for them and for us. So that comes first and quite often it's it's a big education piece for these clients. They're walking in and they walk out going, wow, especially with weddings. It's like mm-hmm. we had no idea Can how be much overwhelming. work. Mm-hmm. It is overwhelming, but I say to my, mm-hmm. all the clients that come to us and sometimes, you know, they, they don't book us and that's okay. I want them to walk away though feeling a lot more empowered and have the clarity to then make decisions. And quite often it might be, you know, we're not going to have that marquee wedding. We're not going to do something on our private property. It's just too much work and it's too much of an investment. We don't see the value and that's important. People need to see the value in both design mm. and the event management side. Mm. So mm. first first part of the process is, is meeting with me, getting that right, mm. and then we onboard them. Yeah. They mm. then become mm. a part of, you know, our mm. on uh, ongoing clients and then mm. that's when they kind of get handed over to the team. My part of the process is to ensure the client has what they need and that their expectations are met and that we have really clear understanding of what those expectations are And then I work closely with the design team and our project management team and our planners to then ensure that they have what they need because we're only going to be successful and have a good time if everyone is on the same page. So I'm really lucky to be in that position where I'm I'm not necessarily in, in the creative, but I'm just there to kind of facilitate the communication between client and our, our team. It sounds like you're setting up your team for success to me. 100%. What you've described yeah. is that you're taking care of the big picture stuff, mm. the stuff that, you know, if, if it isn't right at the beginning, mm. it will never be right. It sounds like yeah. that you really care that that is right Absolutely. and you're taking the time to do it. That's what a great start to a yeah. creative process. Yeah. I, I just love that. Think, I just think that if people sit in front of us and, you know, we, we talk about weddings quite a bit because weddings are our core, that's how we started for us and our team and everyone in our team, we are so honoured to be a part of their big day. We really are. We hold it with two hands. We limit how many clients we take so that we can deliver that service. Um, and so for us, it's making sure that anyone who sits in front of us, who engages us, really, really understands that we are going to go above and beyond. You know, That's fabulous. They can feel it then. They can. Feel it. Yeah, they they can. probably feel cared for. Yeah, they do. And energised by is always good, isn't it? Yeah, that's Amazing. that's the idea and that they trust us. And mm. from there, 
with that trust, only good things can come of that. So what's the process True. then? Mm. What happens then? So then, and it, yeah, like that is, is such a key moment because then the clients uh, are introduced almost to the team, but not with the clients there. We have an internal meeting um, that we have asked our clients to fill in a questionnaire and we're always developing this questionnaire. It's it's like our Bible for each client. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this amazing questionnaire that we send to our clients. And we also ask them as well for, you know, a mood board or reference images or a Pinterest board um, just to kind of see where their head is at at that moment. I think that's really important to see what they are thinking a wedding. And I'm just doing little quotation marks as I say that should be um or just where their heads at I think it's really important to see those images but I treat the questionnaire just like it's a gold you know it's so important this questionnaire the design team haven't met the client yet says we'll talk a little bit about the meetings and what happened and you know key key things the clients are after but we go through this questionnaire kind of not knowing these two people we've got names we may have a photo, we may not. And we start to read this questionnaire and build this, this beautiful story in our minds of who they are and what they're all about and their loves and their dislikes and, you know, all these different things. Like we ask, and we ask questions about like, you know, what do you guys love to do on the weekend? And we get to understand like what cafes they're going to, what restaurants they're going to. And I'm like, oh, I see where, I see where you're hanging out. Mm-hmm. I know you, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, different people in different pockets, different suburbs. I'm like, okay, I'm vibing who you are. What kind of brands do they love? Okay. She's loving, she's loving Scanlon. She's loving rag and bone. She loves, you know, beautiful, you know, silhouettes and clean lines and things like that. It's not asking, you know, necessarily, what do you want for your wedding? Um, it's, it's more, I want to know who they are as people, their style, what's their home aesthetic, their favorite music, their favorite place to travel. We ask so many questions, but it's so important because we create then a whole, you know, visual in our heads of who these, these people are. Um, and from that questionnaire and seeing that those reference images of where they are thinking maybe they'd like to go, the design team then, you know, go into the design room, literally pen, paper, no computer, you know, rarely a phone and just start scribbling, scribbling, word mapping, mind mapping. Okay. Travel. Okay. They loved, you know, this location, they love Japan and they love here. You know, they don't really seem to like, you know, um, these kind of locations and they must love design. They love, you know, tech. They love this. Like we start to just like scribble and, and write words, like words are so important at this stage to try. And what we're trying to do in this, in this stage is create almost two directions that we can go in for our client. Um, and whether, you know, I'm using wedding as an example, but whether it is a corporate and they're launching a new product, it's, it's still a very similar thing. We ask all these in-depth questions and then do the same process of this mind mapping and going, okay, they've got this new product and they're using this plum and they've sourced it from New Zealand. And we go into the, the research stage. Why did they, why did they want to source it from New Zealand and not here? There's all these stories that can be unfolded in that process. So that's where we just, the research is just key in this in this moment it sounds like the beginning of as you're saying Mm. it's the storytelling of the people and their life exactly Mm. yeah storytelling is and design for us is hand in hand it's that's what we do is we are telling a story we're creating a mood we're creating emotion and feeling and yes it's aesthetically beautiful but we want it to feel exactly like those Mm. those people and we want everyone to sit down and go 
wow, this is this is so them. This feels like them. It oozes them. You know, that's what we really want to try and do. So we we then, you know, maybe have created two distinct directions and looks that we can we can um, go in and then we bring the clients into our studio and we have a beautiful first meeting with them because this is the first time the design team is then meeting these clients that we've made this whole story up in our heads of who they are um, <laughs> but what I love at the end of 99.9% yeah. of those meetings they sit back and they go that is so us. How did you know? How, yeah. Like, and they'll look at each other and giggle. I'm like, she's got the photo of like, you know, that thing that I, you know, saved on Pinterest or saved on Instagram or whatever. Like they, they get giddy and excited by how much level, like the level of detail and how much effort we have gone to, to create. Thought. Yeah. And mm. thought that we've gone to create these looks for them. And, you know, and if you see our mood boards, they're, they're not, they're not literal and they're not, this is what the flowers will look like and this is what we're thinking for the typography. It's a mood, it's a feeling, it's emotion. It's it's a beautiful collection of images that have just a few key perfectly weaved words that describe it, but you don't need to over-describe it. It is what it is. You can see it. There's, you know, there's a muse in there. There's a fashion moment maybe. There's a colour swatch or, you know, there's, there's things that they can tell. Oh, okay. I know, I know what direction I'd like to go down with these two looks. So we love that. We love that meeting with our clients because it sounds very targeted. Like it's I guess, super custom for someone to have a professional present back mm. to them mm. a distilled vision mm. of who they are mm. would be magical. Yeah. Really, I think very exciting for them to feel like this has been created for them specifically mm -hmm. for them. That's like having someone super famous talk to you and you only yeah. mm, mm, you know yeah. that that would make everyone feel very cared for and very special yeah I guess and that's again it goes back to the feeling and we that's what we want to do for our clients no two mood boards are ever the same we don't have a back catalogue that we can go to and go oh you know we could use the same kind of vibe as we did for you know Tom and Mary um we never do that. You know, if, like we say, the questionnaire, everything is custom. We are known for custom, personalised design. And the funnest part is coming up with these looks. They're just never mm. the same. That's what we're here to do. So, you know, that's really the start um, of that process. The client then chooses the look that they want to, you know, start to flesh out and the look they want their big day to, to go in. Um, you know, design team then goes away and starts to flesh that whole look out and bring it to life. Um, so whether they might have chosen, okay, they chose alchemy of love. Like our, the concepts also have such unique names. They're, they're not, you know, just really simple. They're really in depth and, um, and beautiful. So, but always, always mm, connected to them. Which always is what connected you guys to are them. So brilliant yeah. At doing. Yeah. So, you know, they've chosen their look, the design team comes away. This is where we might start to then move back to our desks and the computers and go, okay, cool. So we had all those ideas. They're all stuck, you know, they're all in the design room on the, on the big mood board. Let's go and start filtering out that installation concept that we had. Let's 
you let's talk to the, our florist because we do all our floristry in-house, which is amazing. Um, through Superbloom. Through Superbloom, yes. Um, so having having our floristry team in-house is just so amazing. Like we'll just put up our hand and we'll call them over and we'll be like, okay, so we're thinking this, this amazing installation of everyone walks in and they're under a canopy of hand-threaded, you know, flowers and there's light, um, you know, and maybe a beautiful haze sort of trickling through and then our florist gets excited and she goes, I know exactly what we're going to use. Oh my God, I'm so excited to use this. I haven't used this. And we all sort of jump around and we're like, There's oh. lots of squealing. Yeah, squealing and excitement. <laughs> she'll go away and maybe she'll get some flowers to do a bit of a sample downstairs. We'll bring the project managers over and go, okay, we're thinking this. And they're like, amazing. But, you know, like the the weight of those, like how are we going the to make that? The mechanics, the process, logistics. And we're like, yes, yes. How are we going to do? Like it's bringing everyone in. It's not just the design team you know, handing over a design that they haven't spoken to anyone about. So it's really starts to get collaborative at that point. We then bring our clients in again. We start to show them the ideas. We don't go show them a whole completed design yet. I think it's really important to enable our clients to see where our minds are going and the process. Um, and, and like they're designing it with us along the way. We don't want to say, from that look, we've created your wedding from start to finish without having you a part of it. You know, that just mm. doesn't make sense to us. So they're there along the way. We're showing them different ideas, getting their feedback, um, really molding it, um, you know, together, um, which is beautiful. So, and then from there, we refine it all. We refine all the details from start to finish. The studio's filled with samples. We've got to get the color swatches in. We've got to be doing budgeting at this stage. So, we are working with the project managers, handing over, you know, uh, drawings and illustrations to be sent to our builders for all of our customs. Um, so it's a really team effort at this stage before we then um, meet our clients again to present back their full design. And a refined design can be so amazing. And again, we we think about the clients are walking up the stairs. What's that mood lighting like? Do we have candles on? Do we not have candles on? What's the music mm. that we've got in the studio? Uh, the lighting, the feeling. We want them to sit down and just like melt into their concept and, and mm. into their world that's about to be presented. So I'm loving know, melt. Yeah, yes. melt. Beautiful. They're just melting into it. It's beautiful. That. So, you know, we present the entire design. There's so many layers and details in that meeting. Um, you know, and then we present our budget to our clients in that meeting as well, which like Sarah has said, you there's know, no there's no surprises. We have a range um, and we, we always like to show our clients, um, you know, the possibilities as well. And maybe like if you would love, we could actually add this little addition here or we could add this layer and it would frame the whole space and it would be really beautiful. We like to show our clients those options. Um, but yeah, but still being really respectful of their budget as well. Um so yeah, and then we, you know, we've finalized everything and they're, they're always really happy. Yes. Um, so we go into then production, you know, we might be, depending on the scale of the job, if there's a lot of custom involved, we might be 12 weeks out from the big day. Um, and then our project managers really kick it up a notch and they are full throttle into you know, speaking with suppliers, marquee builds, uh, timesheets, Excel spreadsheets, like it's just a minefield in mm. the project manager world at that stage as well with the um, our floristry team. Uh, and we're still always working with them along the way. We never, we always tell our clients, like we never hand over your job and, you know, walk away. Mm. We 
we're there till the very end, you know, especially with the planners as well. Until you get in the car and that door closes, you know, we never step away from from you and and your and your big day. So, you know, there's a whole sort of production side of it, and then the bump in. We're all there on bump in day. It's from it's literally from, you know, dawn till dusk. Like we might be on site from three a.m. at one of our clients' beautiful um, private homes, and we're we're going around and we're whispering because they're still asleep. Maybe the family, you know, we're we're going in with trolleys and trolleys and trolleys of flowers. The marquee's coming in, the building's coming. It's so exciting. It is honestly just like. It, it, There's thinking a great about tension, it, isn't yeah, there? isn't there? And you're just like, this is the day. This the is the, the day. It, yeah, it comes love to it. life. Like it is incredible. So I think our clients also they love the fact that we say, yeah, like we're there on the day. You know, we do have obviously a whole team of amazing crew um, and staff that um, do bump in and set up for us as well. But your designers there, your project managers there, your head florist is there, your planners there. We're all there. Like, mm. You know, it's just as much our baby, you know, as it is yours. So we really want to, um, we just can't wait to sort of see it all come to life. You can definitely see the amount of, the huge amount of work behind mm. things that often doesn't translate when you see the end result. The end result looks amazing mm. and people are charmed by it, but they kind of have no idea no how much idea. work is behind yeah. it. Yeah, it's I really, know, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is. It's yeah. just the way it is. Could you describe the Style Co's style or signature mm. style, both of you? I'm interested to hear how you describe or define mm. the undefinable, who you are. The first thing I think people might think of, you know, when they say scroll through our Instagram um, or our website and see our work, they definitely will see, you know, a beautiful modern influence coming through. We are quite um, modern designers. We love to take obviously inspiration from, you know, history and architecture and and past design and beauty, but we do definitely like to thread and weave a gorgeous sort of modern um, influence through. We the Style Co has and always will be, I think, known for a bit of a party. So there is that party. Absolutely. There's that fun. There's colour, vibrancy. Like you know, you look at the people the in sereness. the studio. The sereness, <laughs> you know, like it's it's got to have it's that energy about it. You'll see through the imagery. There's there's so many different colour palettes. Like you know, we don't have a distinct Style Co is not known for green and white or pink. Um, you know, we really love to play with colour and texture. And, you know, beautiful accents like that. So I think people would see that maybe as, you know, the Style Co style. But when I think of the Style Co uh, and what our style is, I, I, I just think custom design. We, we are, I feel like we are a bit chameleon in the fact that all of our clients are different. All of our brands that we work with are different. No two people, brands or briefs, um, briefs, the briefs are the are same. And as you've you know, sort of heard, our process is so personalised and custom that no two designs really look the same. Uh, so I always sort of go back to that. I just, you know, when you're in it, maybe, you know, you kind of can forget that. But when I step out, I'm sort of like, wow, we really, we really cater to sort of, you know, all of our clients and we can, you know, mould our aesthetic you know uh, around different briefs but you know we definitely have things that we love and we always try to sort of weave them through um, but I think I think yeah it all sort of comes back to that custom personalization 
um, that comes through our work the most, I think. I'm also interested when I look at your work, it feels very elevated. Mm. Um, it has, and for me, elevation is a little bit about luxury, mm. but it's also elevation of thought, you know, this personalization that you mm. speak of. It's just this refined thought that comes through that is different, that makes it feel original or charming mm. or something. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about how you elevate things, mm. how you take a design and how you bring it just up to this level that you want it to be at. Yeah, I think I think what you just sort of said, like luxury for us is in the details. I think we always come back to balance. I think that's one sort of key design principle that we always are coming back to. I think um, I think that Coco Chanel saying, you know, take that last thing off that you put on or, you know, however that's when not exactly in the what mirror, she says. Take, something yeah, off. take that last yeah. thing off. I think that rings true for us in the sense that our style is, yeah, it's it's beautifully elevated, but it's not it's not OTT. I think you need to step back and look at the big picture and look at all the layers that you've added and then have the ability to go, you know what, these two things are doing the same thing we need to remove now or these two colours are actually competing with each other. Let's choose the one that actually brings us the most joy or really sparks off or, you know, uh, creates a beautiful accent against a texture and take that other colour away. I think, yeah, to be refined and elevate, elevated, it doesn't need to be so obvious and it doesn't need to be covered in flowers or covered in gold. I think people really see uh, the beauty in layers and detail and personalization and having a gorgeous napkin, you know, with, um, you know, the couple's, maybe it's the couple's dog that's been beautifully hand woven into the bottom of the napkin. Like that is luxury mm. to me. Like that is that's next level, you know, because we also understand the work that goes into that or, you know, bringing on a hand calligrapher to do personalised uh, sketches of the couple and the things that they love and have those weaved throughout the day. That's luxury, you know, to us as well. So I think, yeah, I think that elevation in our work, yeah, comes from, you know, beautiful inspiration of, you know, high-end design, but knowing when to remove and pull back and, yeah, creating just that epic personalization and layers throughout design. Everything looks really fun too. Mm, I so feel fun. like there's a lot of fun had and it comes through in the design as yeah. well. I think that that happiness yeah. that you're after. Yeah. And I think um, our client through. our clients are so fun. It's a prerequisite. <laughs> I think when they meet us, we're we're really casual, we're really yeah. informal. And I think again it comes back to that qualifying mm. stage. It's about this is us, this is how we roll we're you're either with us or it's not going to work for you because maybe you want something a bit more polished and we have no issue with that it's just that we're not going to be able to deliver that there's no false pretense here we design fun epic memorable events that really reflect you so yeah you kind of need to be fun to begin with <laughs> you do <laughs> we love that I love that so tell me what gets you out of bed in the morning what is your driving force for me it's the team for me. Like even I get teary. I'm so emotional. <laughs> I, I hear what Beck's talking about and I just think, oh, it'd be amazing to be a part of that. And it's like, that's what we do. We yeah. do that. You are that. We yeah. are that. Yeah. Um, we have an incredible, incredible team. We're very, very close. How many of there are you? We're eight now. Um, we mm. were nine. One's on mat leave with twins, which I'm 
checking my phone every <laughs> second thinking, has she had the babies? Has she had the babies? Um, we're a close-knit team. You can see, like we're family. Like, yeah, we're close. Just looking at her phone every yeah. five minutes, see if she's had the babies. Um, and we're all seniors. Everyone is very good at what they do. We've all sort of been handpicked for that reason and we all get along so well. Don't get me wrong, there are days that are tense. There are days that are very, very tense. <laughs> um, but we really are aligned and I think that that comes through in the energy in our studio mm. and then trickles down to the client. You know, there's nothing mm. better than obviously, like you said, you know, being presented to and it's really catered to you but then to, to hear it from someone who is visibly happy and everyone enjoys coming to work. Mm. I think that for me is the big motivator. And I get teary. Look at me. I've got new eight tears. It's 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 a it's such an honour to be a part of people's big days. You know, whether it's a wedding or whether it's you know a private event. I think just being a part of something that people they come to you with a problem. They want to have this special event. It's a milestone. They want to do it right. And they quite often they want to do it for their families. Like they want to do something where. Our couples, the one thing that they always have in common, obviously they're very cool and they're fun, but they don't want the day to be about them. They want that day to be about their guests and their families and everyone who's been a part of their relationship and their story. Such a beautiful perspective. Mm. It is. And it's amazing. So all this, all this detail that they're really investing in in the big day is all about, okay, what, how are our guests going to feel? And I, again, I come back to, for us, it's such a big honour and we never take that for granted. And the fact that we all get along and we're all hilarious and it's, you know, you should see us at our Christmas party, um, is just honestly, I don't take that for granted. I've always said to the team, I want you to feel like you've won the job lotto. I want you to love what you do and feel happy and safe and respected and, you know, really appreciated. And I think that's something that we do mm. really well. Who doesn't want a boss like this? Like... <laughs> what, when you have people come on board to work with you, mm. what do you look for when you're talking to people who may come and work with you? What mm. do you look for? I look for authenticity. I look for people who are genuine, who can look me in the eye, and who have passion, who have a really good sense of who they are, who have integrity. And from there, it stems all the work ethic that I think is really, really important. And I think, unfortunately, you know, now I feel that people perhaps don't work as hard as they used to. Like you've heard my story. I did internship on top of internship on top of internship. And for me, I didn't see at any point did I feel like I was being taken advantage of. For me, it was always about, yes, I will do this in exchange for this experience. And I feel, unfortunately, that sometimes these days I feel um, that you know, there's an expectation of I'm going to walk into this role and it's going to be an epic salary and these are my working hours and all those sorts of things. Whereas everyone in our team, even including myself, we've all started as crew. We've all washed those tea lights. We've all done 2 a.m. bump outs. We've all been to market at two in the morning. You've got to be prepared to work really hard because I feel that you only get to really uh, enjoy and be allowed to be honoured with all the other glory that mm. comes with doing epic events if you really respect everyone and anyone you know and that's what we instill that in our team it's about being good and kind to all of your suppliers I don't care if it's the cleaner at the at, at, at the venue that we're working at you you leave an impression of the style co work really hard and we're good and we're kind and we're respectful so that's what I look for I just look for authenticity yeah and I, I'm, I'm so lucky and the fact that look the team stuck with 
the business and me during COVID. You know, I'm so lucky. I, you know, so many friends are like, you know, how did you go? What's happened to your team? We're still together. That's wonderful. Mm, you know, Everyone. we all Everyone took pay place. cuts. Some of us had to take other jobs. We had to do other things. But we genuinely really, really love and respect each other. You'll be ready for the wedding rush now. Oh, we're, we're in, in it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling we a bit dusty this it. morning. We, uh, I was working until two in the morning. But, yeah, no, I wouldn't have it any other way, nor would anyone else in the team. We 100%. love this. We love That's it. That's incredible. Mm. So you do work hard. I've not, you know, we work really talk, hard. You've talked about that. <laughs> yeah. What are the things away from work that inspire you or restore you? Mm. I, I feel like as a creative, you, you, it's really hard to separate that, isn't it? Because you're just like, oh, hang on, like what, you know, you're always, your mind's always thinking creatively, not necessarily always thinking, oh, I'll do that for a client because like I've sort of said, it's so personalization. Those ideas might not come till I've met that client, but you're constantly looking at things and the beauty of things um, and just taking those mental snapshots of them and going like, you know, I'll be on a walk um, and I'll walk past, you know, these beautiful houses with the, ro- the garden roses at the moment are just insane. And I will just stop like a loser and start <laughs> taking pictures of this house and the flower because the, the the beauty of the red, the garden rose and the shape of it, it's like paired back on this beautiful dusty blue house. And I'm like, what a colour palette, stunning. Like if we added a little bit of mustard into here, oh, my God. Like I get so excited by nature and colour and I think I get really restored from being out, you know, out of the studio either in nature or going to amazing new restaurants. Like Melbourne is just such a melting pot for for culture and cool activations and things and I think it's so important to be you know, in amongst it and absorbing in all these new things, like going to a new bar and, you know, being past your cocktail and it's got this awesome little coaster on it with this cute little message or something like that. And then that all just filters through to, that was a really fun experience. And I love those details. So I think just, you know, yeah, being amongst it and being out and about and not on your phone all the time. Like I can get in that trap too. And I am not creative when I'm on my phone. Mm. Um, I think it was really hard, you know, in, in those lockdown stages where we, we weren't allowed to experience new things and weren't allowed to travel. Like travel is just, Mm. when you get back from a trip, your mind is just exploding with ideas. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be the obvious things like going to art galleries or going to exhibitions for me personally, anyway, it's, it's just about those day-to-day things and the travel and the food and the drinks and meeting new people and learning about their lives and their cultures and things like that. Just that for me kind of, yeah, lifts me up um, and just rejuvenates me. So when I do come back to work and I'm back in the studio, I'm kind of bubbling away, you know, with ideas as well. So it's nice, you know, I find when I travel, unlike this sort of radar mm. this scanner radar that everywhere I go yes. I'm just scanning for yes. my eyes yeah. subconsciously or my mm. brain is yep. somehow just scanning for anything that might in, you spark, know, spark something something yeah. and that is incredibly Incredible. inspiring yeah. and you know where the people that have been lucky enough to go to some amazing places mm. is there anywhere that you've been a venue or a property or anywhere that you've just gone and gone, wow, we're so lucky to be here. You know, I feel that every time so we, much beauty. Oh I feel that every time we see every a new job. private property, we're just like, 
wow, this is the most epic space ever. And then we just up it and up it and up it. We it's need pretty to see incredible. The most beautiful homes. Yeah, we do. And to see how they style it oh. and, and, and the way they live. The way Stunning they live. And the way, you know, you might open the back doors and, you know, that breath of ocean air comes over your mm. face because it's on the beach or things like that. We just get so excited by seeing those stunning, you know, beautiful properties. And like, it's just so beautiful. We're like welcomed into their home and they trust us to look after their space mm. and bring in, you know, 75 suppliers who are going to go over their lawns and all those kind of things. Like they, they really trust us. So mm. I think, yeah, just excited to get back to Europe, won't lie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. Wouldn't that be great for us all? <laughs> really would. Creative people are constantly putting themselves out there when they're not guaranteed what the outcome's going to be. How did you get so confident? We made mistakes along the way. This is this is years of finessing this process and this confidence and I think it comes back to absolutely making mistakes and kind of being proud of those mistakes. We do a lot of workshops in between wedding season where we talk a lot about these sorts of things because we want others to sort of learn from these mistakes as well. But I think that coming across challenging clients, challenging briefs, challenging experiences only sort of makes you stronger. Um, and I think we've just become really confident without being arrogant about what we do really well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Beck's spoken really well about our process and you hear that and you think, yeah. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're and doing. people would feel that, eh? They do. It's, it come, it, and it comes down to experience as well. Like, you know, I guess if you, it was your very first, you know, presentation, you're presenting to a client or, or in any creative, um, you know, in any creative role, uh, I can't remember the first time I, you know, did it, but I was obviously, you know, I was definitely very nervous. But I think, you know, layer upon experience over experience over experience over experience. And I think... We've just gotten to a point, um, you know, when we do present an idea, uh, you know, if it's to a corporate, for instance, for a product launch or a marquee design, and we have put in, if, if we know that we have put in our process, every layer of detail, every layer of research, and we've come up with a concept that we truly love and can visualize the scene and visualize the space and then present it. And if it's not right, for the client, if the fee if the feedback's alright, it's just like cool. We know that we love that design. We can't. It's just not a personal thing. It it mm. it goes back to brands, and then there's layers of you know uh, tiers that they need to get it through and things like that. Like it's just a fab like team. It wasn't quite right. We're going to go back to the the drawing board and go you know plan B and come back with an you know an even bolder, crazier concept and see if that one flies by but yeah. I just think yeah you can't you can't take it personally it's not about you as a person mm -hmm. it's just the idea and you know and nothing's a waste of time at the moment it might feel like oh that idea is just gone, gone now mm -hmm. um, yeah. but it's never a waste of time the the process the experience of doing the research you've learned I've learned you know a whole thing about you know a, an artist or Mm. Um, or I've done all this research on a, um, an architect to wonder why, why does he did all those sweeping curves at that building? I'm going to use that in the pitch. If it doesn't fly, it doesn't fly, but I've just gained, you know, all knowledge. this knowledge and mm -hmm. you know, information. Mm. So yep. I think you just, yeah, it's, it's never personal. It events are so fast. They're so fast moving. You'll come up with another idea like that. Exactly. You know, so you just got to move through it, you know, pat everyone on the back and go, you did a great job. Like, I really loved that. So let's just, let's just get on to the next one. And as a designer, isn't that a great moment 
where in yourself you feel comfortable with leaving your ego at the door Mm -hmm. and being able to step out of yourself to work out what the brand or the design needs rather than what you need as a designer. And I feel like that's that growth space and that's where the charm really does happen. Mm. Uh, Like you're saying, you're designing for the people that need the job done and that is incredibly exciting when you can move beyond yourself. Mm. And I think that's, as I say, when people bring it. And yeah. I think that's pretty exciting. I've got some quick fire questions Oof, for you guys. Today. How are <laughs> I know. What is your favourite flower or foliage? Ooh. Well, I just that's, made that one no, up. No, I love it. I love yeah. it. I mean, that's that's very hard. It depends on the mood. You can you have, a f- have a few. I mean, personal. Yeah, personal. I, Textile. Nothing, nothing's more beautiful than. For me, a, a a garden rose on a long tendril, like making its way over a fence, and it's just got like such a unique profile and a unique palette. And maybe it's peach. It's like this, you know, amazing peach that you've probably never seen before. Something like that is just stunning to me. Um, that comes to my mind: a garden rose, speckled hydrangea, stunning. Um, Especially if the roses smell. Oh, oh. Yeah. well, the gar- the garden rose, the perfume, mm. the scent. I always used to think, well, roses were, you know, a bit daggy, but I've learned everything I know about flowers from working at the Stargo. <laughs> I'm surrounded by flowers. I love flowers. Um, and, yeah, I think I think the scent of a garden rose. I, think that's mm. I love you, the, correct me if I'm not pronouncing yeah. this right, the anemone. Oh, anemone? Yeah, that one yep. too. Like the, the one with the dark centre. Yeah, love it. Black. I call that the Mark yeah. Stewart flower. Oh, oh I love yes. that. Because I remember she always used to use them early on mm. in the 90s in her magazines mm. and they weren't available in Australia. I'm like, how come how? I don't have that flower yeah. here? Yeah. They're yeah. stunning. Stunning. Yes. stunning and yeah. so hard to come by. So hard to come by. I love it. And I just love the beauty of the delicate white petals mm. but then the serious blackness yes. of the centre. Contrast. Love very, it. Very, very elevated. Yeah. Mm. So, Sarah, front of house or back of house, which are you? Oh, back of house. <laughs> the spotlight is on our clients. We are there to just... Make sure it all happens, but the spotlight is absolutely on them and their guests. Beck, front of house or back of house for you? I mean, back of house is the first thing that obviously comes to mind because, you know, that's what we love to do and we are absolutely, that's, that's just our zone. That's our zone of genius, our zone of creativity, and we absolutely love back of house. But I did think about this as well and I'm like, you know, we do like a party. Ooh, we like, yeah. really like to go to a party. Best. Okay, gals. They we can love party. to dress up and we love to have fun. Um, so we do all like to sort of get together and, you know, and experience an event because I feel like so much of the time, you know, we're behind the scenes, we're behind the scenes. If you're at an event, I love to go to an event and, you know, walk into a space and feel feel my mood shift from the lighting or um, you know, a canopy that's served to me on a beautiful, you know, a beautiful hand ceramic vessel or something like that. I like to experience events because I feel like then we can then weave that through to our designs as well mm. and, and the music and was it too hot in there? Was there too many people? Was that furniture? I know it looked amazing, but did I want to sit on it all night? Was mm. it really comfortable? Like I think that's really important. Um, so you're to, well, scanning. Yeah, you're yeah, scanning, you're, you're experiencing you're, it, you're feeling it. Taking so, it by osmosis. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we like a bit of both. I love that. So, Beck, what's your favourite quote? Oh, ooh, my favourite quote. 
I thought about this one. Obviously, there's so many. There's so many good <laughs> quotes You can out give there. me more. Okay, okay. Um, I did think of one that I sort of, I do always come back to with, with just my life and creativity and design um, and the work that we do. So it's be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. And I think if you sort of read it a few times and go back, you know, go back to it, I just, I always want to be doing something that lights me up. I want, I want to feel that fire, you know, I'm at work, you know, a lot. A lot. Mm. <laughs> and I want to, you know, I want to feel that fire in my belly. I want to be having those little, you know, sparks throughout me when the flowers come in and be so excited by it. And when we're sitting down, you know, creating this story and this extraordinary brief that brings me so much joy. So I, I always want to seek that out and, and find that rush and, um, and continue to do that. So if ever anything gets stale or if anything gets a little bit like, you know, I think I've, I've done this, I then go back to that quote to really um, just push it to the next level because we, you know, some people, you know, we're here for a short time, but we're also, you know, here for a long time and I want to, um, yeah, just experience everything I can and, and make sure I'm, yeah, setting my soul on fire as much as I can. I'm loving that because in a way, you know, this, you know, you talk about the pursuit mm. of, you know, the things that yeah. set you on fire. I love this idea too that, you know, over time they may change, but this pursuit to find to them find it. is yeah. where growth is as well as a professional and as a person, you know, delving into, you know, as things change, you know, to delve into what might be new or different that will keep setting your heart on fire is kind of a trick to longevity and mm. renewal, Absolutely. I guess. I love seeing people change their careers or change, you know, ideas that they have and grow. And it just, it's so beautiful to see people just have this longevity in, you know, their passions um, and things like that and not just think, okay, well, I'm in this role or now that I'm this age, I probably shouldn't do this anymore. Mm. I just, I'm so inspired by people who just keep pushing themselves. It's mm. so cool. I love it. What about you, Sarah? Mine is people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. I adore mm. that. Mm. It's everything. It's everything. Personally, professionally, it really, really is. And I think everything that we do really is anchored in that. It's all about how you make people feel. Um, we obviously put a lot of work into design. Guests may not necessarily remember every aspect of the terrazzo finish or, you know, how crisp the linen was steamed just before they sat down at that table, but they will remember collectively how all of those details threaded in with the food and the service and the sound and the entertainment made them feel. I and love that's it. What you we do. have made me feel so happy this morning that you've been <laughs> here. Um, what's that gorgeous song? I think it's maybe Big Wild or I don't know something. You turned my sixes to nine. So, <laughs> turned my sixes yeah. to nine. <laughs> so we've definitely gone to a nine this morning. So thank you no. so no. much for coming in. Thank and you so much. Thank for you for us. doing this. Thank yeah. you for giving oh, no, back. It's... You're such a gift in so many ways, but thank to you. really have this podcast and like we spoke about earlier, just letting everyone connect and, and hear so these cool. true, authentic stories. It just really resonates and you're a gift. You oh, really are. Thank you. It's been really, it's really good fun, with, you know. So fun. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Amanda. We loved Talk it. Talk soon. Yay. Thank you. Bye.